Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome back, bookends, to our book club episode for March. We are delighted to announce that this month's book choice is The Incredible Dazzling, a magical debut following the lives of two young girls on the cusp of womanhood in Nigeria. Vibrant, affecting and full of imagination, get ready to be dazzled by this brilliant book. Chickadilly, Emma. Madu was born in Worksop, Nottinghamshire and raised in Aqua, Nigeria, a product of not one but two Nigerian boarding schools. In 2015, her work was shortlisted for the Shirley Jackson Awards. In 2017 and 2020, she was shortlisted for the Kane Prize for African Literature. And in 2020, she won a NOMO Award for Best Short Story with her short story, Sin Eater. In 2019, she won the inaugural Curtis Brown First Novel Prize for her manuscript, Dazzling, which was published by Wildfire in February this year. And to talk about Dustin with us today, we have Chickadilly herself. Welcome to A Pair of Bookends. Hey guys, it's good to be here. It's good to have I you. I'm choosing Dazzling as the, as the March book book club pick because I don't think anybody has picked me for book club yet. So yay! It's a good one. It's a good it's one. great book club book as well. It's got so many great talking points on it. Mm. But before we get into the book itself, we would just like to ask you, what are you currently reading? I'm reading two books actually I'm reading um the red bird sings by Aoife I keep wanting to say Fitz Fitzgerald but it's not it's Aoife Fitzpatrick who is another debut this year and I'm enjoying it I don't want to really say sorry those are my guinea pigs they are fighting <laughs> over their breakfast slash lunch um, but there's a very very greedy one at the bottom and he's finished all the food on the top and he's gone to the bottom and he's he's kind of bullying everyone else and that's the noise you can hear it's not it's not me doing anything bad to anybody um but but um, yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading the Redbird Sings by Eva Fitzpatrick, and then I'm also reading. Uh, I'm dipping into God's Children, uh, Little Broken Things by Arinze, if I can do, which is a collection of nine short stories. And Arinze was shortlisted alongside myself for the 2017 Kane Prize. So I'm only just getting to his book now. I mean, it was the collection was published last year, and um, the Redbird Sings we published this year. I want to say next month, actually, which means I'm a, I'm a bit late with my um, with my proofreading, but I've been. Like I've been poly for about a month so I'm hoping that Aoife can forgive me she says she can I, I sent her messages please forgive me I'm so sorry <laughs> I mean you have yeah, had a book out books in that me. time as well so yes and how dare I fall ill as well right but it's just it's just been one of those winters isn't it I mean it's been it's been one thing after another mm. it's viruses galore and it obviously doesn't help that a lot of people are not turning on their heating because it's so expensive and so mm. a lot of things are proliferating people are overworked underfed tired mm-hmm. and so we're just seen the the after effects of that it's not even after effects it's the effects of that because a lot of parents are having to work and so they're sending their, their kids to school sick mm. and then the kids are spreading the sickness and bringing it back to us the parents and obviously our immune systems are short aren't they because we're working so hard and we're so tired and we eat the scraps of the plates and sometimes we eat junk and you know we're not sleeping properly and so a lot has happened yes since the book launch but it's highs and lows isn't it is yay when i can breathe enough to say yay at the things mm. i say yay about and other times it's just me struggling on the so- on the sofa trying to get some oxygen in which has been <laughs> incredibly useless it hasn't even done anything for like hallucinations i haven't had any good hallucinations i could put towards a book you know <laughs> i don't do 
drugs. <laughs> I don't do drugs, right? If I'm going to at least be sick, can it be something with some hallucinations I can use? But no, no, boring, very, very boring. Just nothing. Just really trying to breathe and try not to die. Yeah. Yeah, please that, don't die. I think I think <laughs> Hannah and I can but totally relate. Sales. To that. No, I've been told not to talk. I've been told not to talk about dying because they're very strict on it and wildfire. And I, sh- I must not talk about dying and book sales because I'm always going, but think about the book sales if I die. And they're going, oh my God, stop. You know, I, have to, I have to stop saying things about dying. But think about the book sales though. <laughs> Tragic death. If I die some Victorian death, why I can't breathe on my sofa? Oh, you know, from asthma. <laughs> like she died from asthma on her sofa, on her green sofa. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can we can totally relate to the uh let's try and be productive even when we're dying. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's a problem, I think, for this age. But I mean, I understand that you have to do the work um because you have to live somehow. And mm. at least I'm lucky because I like the work that I do. And the work that I do seems to be yielding some result. It's been a long 10 years, 11 years, but you know, it's yielding some fruits. For a lot of people, the frustration is not seeing the fruit and maybe like your moment not having arrived and having to do two, three jobs in order to keep the passion for writing going. So on that depressive note, hello, I'm Chikwagin Alamadu. <laughs> these, these are the things that I talk about. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to be all and talk about my book and I'm like, oh God, the state of the economy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, all those things are intertwined and it's very hard to be an artist without paying attention to your environment, you know? So there will be a lot of stuff that comes out that would look like 1984 in the next few years. <laughs> We're going to see that trend towards, right now is a lot of, there are a lot of feminine retellings of myths and stuff like that mm. and there are a lot of there's a lot of focus on women's power and we will still have that because there is a lot of revolution going around i mean i was just watching something on tiktok about the girls being poisoned in in is it iraq or iran classrooms of girls being poisoned and you know the mothers trying to move the cars so that the ambulances can get their children to hospital and things like that and we are going to see a lot more feminist feminist work but also we're mm. going to have a lot of austerity stuff coming out and mm. i think that dazzling fits within that power structure so mm. you you know it's right on time for me yeah and you are talking to two working class actors so I mean we are always open to talking about the economy and how difficult it is for creatives and yeah we're, we're always open to that kind of conversation <laughs> oh good 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 because I mean it's it's just I live I live in a place that is a very working class community and so mm. it's very it's in your face it's not something that you can avoid it's 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 there all the time and um my I had a I had a very hard time the last 2019 20 even 21 a bit was just really really hard and so it opened my eyes to because I wasn't raised working class you see my parents are quite well to do um but you know it opened my eyes to not just the function of art in society but also to the fact that you know you're living with people and you're very much a part of like it just takes it just takes one smaller paycheck or a skipped paycheck or something and you're Mm. you're basically at the at the mercy of the elements and at the mercy of charity and if the charities themselves are failing because the government doesn't care and if you know we have our essential workers people on the front line who are helping us to fight disease if we find if we have them going to food banks Mm -hmm. and having to choose between sanitary products and whether to feed themselves and their children then there is a huge problem Mm -hmm. and so if you as an artist it's very hard not to soak up all of that even without being in a working class community it's very hard not to soak up all that is happening and so I think that you know yes it's our job also to to reflect back society but it's also our job to to find the levity and like the 
brevity in situations and to take people out of the immediacy of their surroundings and their suffering, which is why I hate it when people say things like, uh, blah, blah, people on benefits are drinking and they're on the streets. Nobody in their right mind who has their lives together is going to be sleeping on the streets because they are falling down drunk, you know? And also this, in, this includes rich people as well. People who are rich and are drinking to themselves to death in the privacy, privacy of their homes. Nobody, it's a disease, isn't it? And so yeah. why should the yardstick be used against one and not the other? You know, mm. why is it that people who are on benefits, for instance, are having to be castigated and having to being told to strip themselves and divest themselves of every single pleasure that they have in order to survive? Meanwhile, that is not the that's not the the way that survival works. The survival mm-hmm. works when society works and society is broken. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is we have all these big fat cats hiding all their monies in offshore accounts and things and then having the poorest of the poor being told that they cannot even go into the coffee shop and get a, a black coffee and sit down for a bit because oh you could save those coins and tomorrow you'd buy a house Alex, you mm. know so i i just think that you know it's also my job to give people the opportunity to discover mm. other worlds because it's the cheapest form of traveling it's mm. my job to make sure that just because you are not wealthy you are not cut off from life from art from pleasure from all the things that make you a fully rounded individual because what cutting us off from art does is it turns us into beasts and it turns you into that very thing that you're being demonized over it turns you into a shell a walking just a walking breathing shell and you you're doing things just to you know try and fill the hole and so i'm not you know i'm i'm all for you know us reflecting society but also making society bearable and that was what i wanted to do with dazzling i wanted to give people an escape you know and i wanted to introduce people to my world the world in which i grew up the world in which you know spirits and people are side by side and there is no you without your past that sort of thing and sort of like to help to because i mean every book you write right is is a is a reflection of the things that you are troubled by or you lack or you like or whatever and for me not knowing my ancestry past a certain point you find that in a lot of working class communities as well people are not concerned with ancestry because they are more concerned with survival Mm -hmm. and so I think that when you discover that the people who came behind you or people people who came before you did everything that they could in order to have you here at this time that is also an important message because it means that you're never going to you're not alone Mm -hmm. and it's sort of introducing another way of thinking into this society another way of being another way of making people realize that yes you know society is fragmented and obviously like there's a whole individualistic concept in this part of the world where we're not all communal minded but you know you're not alone you have people you know you come from somewhere not you're not rubbish to be discarded you're Mm. important your history is important you know a lot of like you hear stories here about people whose ancestors whose ancestors used to fish and this was before electricity even you know when you would be fishing by lamplight and like it's not like a rechargeable light or anything like that and they would walk how many hours a day and you know those people if you honor them if you realize the sacrifices that they made to to make you to bring you to this point in your life then it's really hard to live like you have no hope because then you realize that you have a duty of passing on what you do know to the next generation and that's what i was trying to do with dazzling as well oh the the wisdom already i love it i'm soaking up all your words and i could talk to you about the state of the economy all day (laughs) 
but we want it to. It just depresses me, I think. Yeah, I know it depresses me, I think, because I'm I'm in it. And the problems are, they're easily addressed. Yeah. You know? I'm talking yeah. about worldwide. They are very easily mm. addressed. The reason that they are not is just because of greed. It's just greed. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. It's not, greed is such a bottomless pit that it doesn't matter how much you have, you will always want more. So, mm. you know, it, it's never going to be a situation whereby we're going to get everybody to hand over. You know, the rich are never going to get taxed more than they're getting taxed now. Mm. You know, the middle class is going to get squeezed and the poor are going to suffer the most. You know, we mm. have a proverb in, in Igbo culture where we say, when two elephants fight is the grass that suffers. Mm. Okay, so when the economy is in disarray as, as much as it is, it's the poorest of the poor mm. who will suffer. Amongst them, the most vulnerable are women and children. And so I'm just doing my bit to pick up the slack, to make sure that, you know, you're being told that there's nothing here for you in this world. You're being told that you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up dead like your cousin who died of an overdose. You're going to end up pregnant at 13. You're going to have to drop out of school and you're going to, no, there's another way. And just because you don't have the passport and just because you don't have the means, you can't read. And if you can't read, then enter me. You know, maybe what you're reading, you find it, you find it boring. You know, like, let me introduce you to something else that you can read so that you can see. There's such a wide world out there. And, you know, the universality of human experience is such that whatever you're suffering, there's a book you can open and there's, there's somebody else going through the same thing that you've gone through as yeah. well. And the great thing about books is there's usually a solution. There's usually a way out. So mm-hmm. you can apply it to your own life. And I think that that is why art is important. And that is why writers are important as well. Stories are important. Stories are the first things that people told themselves to keep the wolves away from, you know, from the campfires and, you know, to keep themselves awake. And when they started to have children, to make sure that their children did not go into X dangerous zone or did not go off with said stranger, you know, morality tales and stuff like that. So stories and storytellers are important. I think, I think it's, it's not a job for me or a career for me. I mean, it is a career and it is a job. I saw it because I, I live in a capitalist economy. I have to survive somehow, but more than anything is a vocation. This is what I was put on earth to do. Mm. And so it's important that I do it to the best of my ability. Which you do. <laughs> I can confidently say Incredible. you do. Yeah. Um, and we, we usually ask in our debut spotlight series, we usually ask debut authors what their, their journey into having their debut published has been like. And I'd love to know about your journey because did you say before Dazzling was 10, 11 years in the making or did I mishear you? Oh, no, no. That was just me writing short stories. Dazzling uh, was okay, about, okay. to be honest, this version of Dazzling was four months. But oh, wow. Like, I had to, <laughs> yeah. No, don't say wow. No, don't say wow because, because like I said on every single podcast or interview, I have half a million words in Dazzling on my computer, the old computer, which is probably why I conked out and I have this new one. But like there's a, there are a lot of words of Dazzling because I had to work out the kinks. I had to work out, mm. I knew what I wanted to say, but I had to work out how best I wanted to say it. And mm. not, not everybody thinks I've succeeded. I think I have because <laughs> I think we I have think you have. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Because this was the version I wanted. I wanted people to read and I wanted people to see. But before that, there was a lot of, there were a lot of kinks to work out before it even saw an agent. Now, I think the thing about when people talk about your journey, I, my journey has been a weird one in that I, I didn't go through the original route. Like I went, I got an agent through a competition, right? But before I entered my book for the competition, it was complete. I wouldn't have done it otherwise because I, I, I had a child mm-hmm. and, and then I had another child. I, I could not 
at that stage finish something mm -hmm. with a with somebody telling me okay this is the time you have to finish it by it wouldn't have worked yeah. because i'll be like you know what maybe it's not my time then i can chill it's fine i'll just go back to doing short stories but short <laughs> stories were important to me for the past 10 years for two reasons one the aforementioned having children right it's easy for you to start and finish a short story project because you know that's the time you have you can't even go to the loo without somebody going ah! <laughs> You have to do your business with the door open. But oh, you can't Lydia even do knows that too well, don't you, Lydia? Oh, I do. I do. You do that with the door open. They are just there on you, and you're like, "But I'm trying to do number two. Why are you? Can you enjoy this thing? Now it's not enjoyable for me, and I'm the doer." Like, you know, I learned to scribble very, very quickly in different kind of like areas, and also I had just come out of working for the BBC, and the practice with journalism is being brief, isn't it? Is is what's the word, what's what I'm looking for now? Concise, compressing. Yeah, it's being precise, but it's also like condensing that's the word condensing i haven't had coffee this morning i haven't had anything <laughs> but it's condensing all the information into as as little as possible so that if people have their wandering minds and you also they're having to in newspapers you know they're having to contend with phones as well you know you have that information at the, the most important at the very top and then from most to least important in that structure you know what they call a, a reverse pyramid structure that way if it's not if the column in if the column doesn't fit or for whatever reason there's news and they can chop off the bottom bit and you still get the most information so i had used i had gone to harlow college for a journalism diploma in 2000 and something and i thought why don't i use that i think 2008 and i thought why don't i use that and see and see what i can do with this thing because i didn't i had a child i was living in london it was so expensive child mm. care oh my gosh mm -hmm. oh my gosh it was so expensive it would have been a matter of me working and just paying my my child care person provider um, and not seeing my child now as a turned out me being around for my child was the best thing because they have severe allergies they would have died in fact they very nearly did and this was with me being their mom oh uh, and the only thing that saved them was the fact that i have two parents who are doctors and so i kind of like had to like react quickly and be like okay this is what i've been told to do and you know i did i did an overdose but it was fine he's left for 12 hours <laughs> but he's he's severely he's severely allergic he can have he can go into anaphylactic shock like that and so me being at home actually worked but i was frustrated as a young wife and mother because I wasn't doing what I thought I was put on earth to do you know mm -hmm. when you're working in journalism in storytelling yes but it's other people's stories that you're telling and they're important mm -hmm. but the format is different nobody wants to hear the lesson they just want to hear what happened to whom when okay what's happening now that's all they want to hear mm -hmm. and that's why rolling news appeals to so many people and I, I can understand rolling news I mean I understand it I'm in the industry yeah we have to keep <laughs> eyeballs on but like if it's the same information why do you keep rolling it out you know mm -hmm. and they're like oh it's in oh what's the stupid thing that we say it's in um it's the, the whatever is progressing and hey, when it progresses tell me now don't tell me why it's progressing you've, you've told me this before you know and the thing about stories is you have you can stretch it can't you you can stretch yeah. it and to the future possibility you can stretch it to the past you can and that's what i wanted to do and that's what i've always wanted to do and so i worked on short stories for for 10 years you know and the other thing that having work that working on short stories does it keeps your name out there mm. you're not some person like nobody's ever going to be like she had a what's that stupid thing a meteoric rise there was no meteoric rise for me there was just graft pure and simple graft and baby poo and mother and baby groups which are just death oh. they all just want to talk about how their babies are progressing oh like look me little Mary is putting her shoes on me 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 I was like oh my god shut up you know what are you who are you what what are you about can you just feed me like what what is going on with you like oh my gosh mother baby groups never again no um, <laughs> it's, it's, 
I did not last either. I could not make oh. it through them either. Oh. <laughs> those things, the reason that those things exist is because we don't have communal spaces. Mm. They're not natural. It's not natural to have people together whose only relationship is their babies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Listen. Anyway, so that was it for me. That was how I started, you know. And and so it kept my name out there. It kept me practicing. It mm. kept me sane. Mm. Uh, so by the time it was the Curtis Brown sh- first novel competition came around I was ready I was ready I had the stuff Mm -hmm. it was done I had done what I consider to be two rounds of querying but according to everybody I've spoken to they're like you didn't even finish one round of querying to me it was like I've queried four people here now I've queried five people here and they all (laughs) said no I'm gonna query three more people here I'm gonna give myself a break please this thing is too hard you know (laughs) why I was giving myself a break (laughs) so (laughs) I'm like but why can't you people say that this thing is marvelous why you people don't want this thing what are you going I was I was depressed and then I, I said to myself, let me let me rest for a bit and, and then I'll come back to it later. And this was coming up on August. Now, the one thing that journalism teaches is August is a dead month. Mm. Nothing happens in August. And it's the same thing as in publishing. It's dead. Nothing happens. So I thought, okay, <laughs> let me take opportunity. Let me use the opportunity of this dead month to just relax myself and do something, some more short stories. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, well. And then they came back to me and said, oh, you've been shortlisted. No, you've been long shortlisted. I can't remember how it worked, to be honest. There was a list. And I was like, yay, I want the list. But it's okay if it doesn't get published because I'm on this list. Hopefully now when I'm querying other agents, I can be like, oh, I made this list. You get me? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it works. Fine, fine, fine. And then they came back to me and said, oh, can we talk to you? I was working on another edit of Dazzling in the library. And they said, oh, would you be able to talk at this time? And I was like, yes. And already I knew, I knew they were going to break my heart. I knew they were going to tell me that, oh, we're really sorry. You know, we liked your thing, but it's strange. Can you change it to something like this instead? I was just, <laughs> oh, I was like, just tell me now what I'm in the library so I can cry because you can't cry in the library now you can just go <laughs> you have to be silent I was like let me be stoic let me do the stiff upper lip just tell me now don't wait till lunchtime when I'm in the outside exposed you know I'm in public and then I, I'll, I'll weep like a Nigerian oh tell me now let me be stoic but they said oh no no we'll talk we'll talk to you at lunch so at lunch i packed up my laptop normally i have my lunch with me i packed my laptop and i went for a walk and i I said to myself listen if it happens it happens you've you've lived (gasps) we're deleting this bit i was 30 something we were were yeah yeah I was 35 or four or something like that. I can't remember. But but I said, listen, you're in your 30s, right? You're not a child anymore. You can deal with disappointment. You've had disappointment with short stories. You've had practice. You've built a thick skin, you know? And obviously, like, it's really like you have to work through it systematically. If somebody doesn't like your work or says they can't sell it, you can't hate someone for not being able to sell your work. Mm. You know, it's like dating. You're going out with somebody and they're like, I don't like how you wear your hair. But you, you like how you wear your hair. Are you going to change your hair for this person? I guys to be like enough off my friend you know what I mean like you know you don't like my hair find somebody whose hair you like then it's all good you know or mm, I don't like your nose so you want me to have rhinoplasty because you don't like my nose you know find someone whose nose you like then some pet button nose for you is fine or some hybrid nose it's fine and so it was very much like that I had a I had my myself a nice talk and then I sat down in the sun and I, I waited for my call when the call came they said it was Lucy my agent Lucy Morris and she said Oh, you're on speakerphone. And I thought, they're going to break my heart on speakerphone. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know, the like, audacity. When, you're used to, when you're used to rejection, everything is so dramatic. I was like, <laughs> she's going to break my heart on speakerphone so that I can't, like, I can't beg her, I can't grovel and be like, please <laughs> take my word. Because, Lord, you know, 
please. You know, so she's going to do it on, on speakerphone. And I was like, okay, well, she's, I'm dead. It's fine. It's fine. Just kill my soul. And then she said, oh, we, we want to tell you that you won. Listen, I was unprepared for winning. I was prepared for disappointment and rejection. When they went the other way, I completely fell apart. Because what it meant for me was that I didn't have to chase anyone. I didn't have to chase anyone. I didn't have to query anyone anymore. In fact, as soon as that conversation ended, I just went and went, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. Because I was like, I even if, even if I have no other agents from this deal, what Curtis Brown are telling me is we like this work enough to want mm. to represent you because that was part of the prize. You will get representation. It wasn't, oh, you will get somebody working with you to see if we, no, no, no. You will get representation. Also, here's 3,000 pounds. I was like, ah! I'm in the rotting dean, like a fool. I was just there screaming, oh my God. <laughs> I will never make fun of any of those X Factor contestants ever again because I was like that. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I had so many voices. I'm laughing. They thought it was funny. I was like, people don't realize I'm about to have a heart attack. Like, I'm about to die. Reject me. Tell me my, my thing is rubbish. I'm ready for that. Tell me my one. Like, oh, we, you won over 3,000 plus people. What? That's like the size of an army. You just come and defeat an army. Oh, yeah, you did. Come on. <laughs> you know? And so I I just I just had the rest of the afternoon. No, actually, that's a lie. No, I didn't. I finished. I went back to the and I continued working. And I was like, okay, well, good news. And then, and then off the back of that I got two more agents interested so now I had three because obviously my life cannot be easy I cannot just be like okay well I choose you now so then I had to, and they were so good and so strong and their rosters were just oh solid and I was going why devil why 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 these three people together now like I've got someone and now it's like when you first get married and suddenly you start seeing all the fine fine people fine women and fine men and you're like but I'm married why are you people all around all of a sudden when I was single and thirsty I'm looking for someone to marry. You people are not available. Now you're here, you're erudite, you're well-spoken, well-dressed, your nails are clean, you smell fresh. Where have you come from? This is the devil. So I I had to sit with it for a bit. Went to London for one meeting. I had another meeting. I had another meeting. Um, But in the end, I decided to stay with Curtis Brown because the way I saw it, they had chosen me out of 3,000 people. They had Mm. already done the work. They had done the legwork to get to me and to decide this is who we want as our Mm. first. So why would I then, you know, so it's like marriage isn't it like i said you stick to the person that you've married so mm-hmm. i was like well you've done the work to get to me hercules you know <laughs> he's done all the tasks they've done all the tasks you know they've whittled it down and then they whittled it down some more so it was an easy choice really and i could not have asked for a better agent could not there's nothing you can hear how i talk and like, no, 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 no. sometimes i'm just like we'll give her ideas and i'm thinking oh she's not listening because she has this look where she just glazes over and i think oh god i'm talking so much i've bored her but then she comes <laughs> back and she says okay let's put a pin in that one what about this thing that you mentioned at the beginning she was listening you know how she does it because a lot of people get irritated with me like oh my god you're saying so much and it's but she she was listening and i realized at the very first meeting how on it she was Mm. because every single thing i mentioned on the off chance of her saying to me okay pitch me this just me i'd never pitched before but you know because you're supposed to
supposed to pitch in like you're supposed to be perfect and like you mm. know you're supposed to be concise and I was not pitching like that I was pitching like a crazy person like <laughs> ribbons of sound just coming out and just entangling us and just like you know everywhere and she just picked up on this thread and she pulled it she pulled this like okay so this is what you want to do is it she's like yeah, yeah exactly so she's very good at just getting me together I am when I'm really excited because I have a lot of ideas and I want to do all this stuff a uh, case in point she said to me okay let's talk about your book too and I sent her book two and book three you know pitches for both and I because I was working on both simultaneously and then she came back to me after a month and said let's focus on this one first I think <laughs> because she knows that I will work myself to you know into a frenzy just mm. trying to get the both of them out because it's it's taking what I consider to be a long time to happen for me but everybody else will tell you it's not taking long at all you know it's taking a long time from when I thought I was going to like make it big at 17 what did I know um <laughs> but it's taking a long time to get there so I'm, I feel all the time that I'm racing against some clock and so I'm always wanting to do this and do that and I've had to actively teach myself to rest and to say no I'm going to take a day off or whatever mm-hmm. the day off never is a day off there's always things going on in my mind mm-hmm. um and also I think those down periods of planning and those down periods of inspiration are uh necessary to the process and so that was how I got my agent really and then the rest of it just sort of fell into place because it meant I didn't have to chase publishers either because she was doing it on my behalf but the exact same thing happened with wildfire in that I had an idea of whom I wanted to publish me right and I was really really going for them like with every I was thinking this is a, these are the people I want but when wildfire came they came back to me after three days right and I mean three days because it was the weekend not three days because it was a weekday and I was there biting my nails they had it on on Friday and by Monday morning they had come back to me with a 12-page document wow. a 12-page pitch of what how we're going to market it what the marketing direction and PR direction was going to be what the editorial direction was going to be and eight comments from both the marketing and the editorial board to say what they liked about the book so far wow and for me that was just like yeah okay fine yeah and then they <laughs> and then the on, the, on the back of that they re- yeah on the back of that they requested to pitch me in like by video even though they were already in the lead and it's it's the sort of Nigerian-esque way of thinking because Nigerians are extremely competitive if you look at any literary landscape if you cannot pick out one Nigerian there it's not a landscape for us you know it's not a look anywhere look look anywhere we're there we're even even in the in the African literature circuit we dominate and so having somebody do that you know they always say to you Nigeria don't just pass excel you know mm. you can pass pass is like the, if somebody if you've passed somebody with with six ten marks they can make up the marks you need to pass somebody with 30 40 you know and that was exactly what wildfire did they exceed they excelled over the competition the competition that I wanted you know mm. and they said they even did the whole Nigerian thing with the money as well because you know there was like a back and forth and a back and forth and they just went here it is three times a month boom we hope this and they said in the email I hope this does it we hope this does it <laughs> Nigerian of course it does it <laughs> you were already winning before you you were already winning before you gave me the money you were already miles ahead because you pitched me in a concise document mm. you pitched me telling me exactly how you were going to market me exactly what position you were going to take what would the editorial focus was going to be for a newbie this is invaluable yeah. information you didn't leave me to wonder and then you said to me uh, is that what they are giving you first of all let's give you this okay then they, they counted okay let's give you this and then they counted they said do you know what let's but not even wasting time there you go boom you know, like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. hello daddy and mommy you know so 
so it was just very easy for me so that's why I say my my own journey was totally different you know there's mm. a lot of hardship out there and I really sympathize but God didn't want me to suffer anymore because I had mm. I had been through it and uh yay me yeah yeah <laughs> you okay. I don't think it's going to happen like this again but I think once you've got your foot in the door then it's relatively simpler yeah I mean everybody says there's a curse of book two but I don't believe that the curse is going to affect me it's just not for me um <laughs> I'm just going to do what I do and leave the rest for you know the people that are on your team you have to trust your team so that's yeah. how my journey to publication happens really that's such a fascinating journey like I think it's so wonderful to hear about about how you've got to where you've got already really and where you're gonna go I, mm. I mean I think there's gonna be a lot more to come from you when we when we read the book I have to say we were absolutely overwhelmed by how great it was mm. it was just absolutely brilliant can you tell us a bit more about the book itself and about the concept of the book and how the book itself came about um the setting of the book is a boarding school that I went to in Nigeria which was very out of the way it was my first time of being away from my parents I was nine years old and they put me in this private boarding school that had great academics but like also they were one of those schools where the proprietor was very old school in that he believed in educating the body and the mind and it wasn't always through PE it was through things like survival taxes <laughs> which is why <laughs> I would do well in any any of those kinds of TV shows yes <laughs> I read it for the apocalypse people were here people were here doing the whole thing during the pandemic trying to get toilet roll oh fighting over toilet roll like do you realize you can make your own toilet roll my friend do you realize <laughs> you don't need all that <laughs> if you must have toilet roll but you have water just wash properly anyway but um <laughs> but it was one of those schools where he believed that and it is this was part of the creed that we had to recite every day he believed rather erroneously i think although i understand why he believed that the black race was lagging behind in like technological advancement there's a reason for that there's centuries of oppression and having our resources stripped from our continents and just uh, eventually putting the wrong people in charge who are obviously going to be served to you know the colonial colonial governments etc so he believed that we were lagging centuries behind and that people the rest of the races around the world looked down on our race so there is that there is some truth to that but he saw that the to him the way to tackle the challenge was to immerse us and i mean thoroughly in every single subject going you know whatever it was what were they doing in japan whatever they're doing in japan we are doing it here you know so he was one of those educators that he ran the place like some educational gulag and part of that was in the location because it was inside the forests really like way inside the bushes it had no gates because okay run now if you wanted to go home run start running because if you got out of the gate first of all you were in a weird in a strange village and then there were so many other villages to go through before and I, I don't mean hamlets okay or like how you have villages in this country Nigeria is a massive place okay <laughs> we are massive and we are populous and so there's so many other villages that you had to pass and you couldn't do them on foot before you got to the state capital and then having to get to the state capital and then wind your way to whatever it just was better for you to stay in school and so at nine and being highly impressionable and being separated from my parents for the first time this was the big bad you know mm. this was I like school but I hate everyone here I have to live with people <laughs> you know you have to live with people in a dormitory of like I don't know like five on each side that's ten people per hostel and they, they're supposed to be a mix of senior girls and junior girls mm. and there were two of us JS1 students so two of us newbies and then there was one JS3 student and you know but everybody was higher than we were we were the runts of the litter 
And I wasn't the hardiest kid. I was plump, much like I am now, you know, because my <laughs> ancestors, they married well. So, <laughs> so I was one of those children that just sparked the eye of everyone. Like they just didn't like me because even though I did well in class and all the social stuff like debate society and blah, 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 you know, I was good at things like that. They just hated that I couldn't, in their view, sweep well. I've been sweeping at home, but they're like, bend down like a woman. And it was tough. And these senior girls, like they would bully you. There's something that we call fagging in Nigeria. I don't know if people will have, used to have that here, but in boarding schools, fagging is kind of like when they will haze you. They will haze you until, oh, until you wish you were dead, basically. And so there was a whole hierarchy that I had to master. And the hierarchy was people whose parents were rich and would and would supply them with, like supply the senior girls and boys with like goodies and stuff. And my parents are somewhere in the middle in that they were doctors, right? But they, don't, they didn't have like government contracts and they were not like uber wealthy. They were wealthy enough. And everything that they had got, they had worked for. So they were not giving out tons of their money or whatever like like every other person so I wasn't one of the people that was rushed you know to mm. be a school a school daughter so there was a lot to master and I think without even realizing it, it was it was imprinted on my psyche such that when the book had to come out it had to be this book mm. where the themes of is ancient and modern but it's also very much about being an outsider and Ozemina mm. is an outsider she's an outsider even in her own family mm. you know she's an outsider who wasn't born in Nigeria but if she but she doesn't remember where she was born because she came to consciousness in Nigeria and it irks her system but because like how can you remember our life that we had before here you know so she learns to tread very carefully and that was very much me I had to learn to be like you know like oh who wants a love make him laugh make him laugh <laughs> you know do all that stuff you know and be quiet in the world that you couldn't make love but like I will win anybody over and so it was very much a book that was informed by my early experiences but also I was fascinated by growing up I read this book called very very young by the way I read this book called The Bottled Leopard by um, Vincent Chukwemeke who is now dead I think and it was a book that's, that talked about a leopard society and that was my introduction to secret societies in Africa and so I read a lot about secret societies and what their jobs were and they had like leopard societies they had crocodile societies I think they were like baboon societies and they were very very popular in Western Africa now their job was to keep the law and order blah blah but not in a they did the thing that the chiefs couldn't do which included killing so they were sort of like I don't want to say they were exempt from killing from, from the punishments of killing but they were sort of purified because somebody had to kill someone sometimes if there's a rapist <laughs> in the community they're not going to be like stop raping we're going to throw you in jail the jails are made of mud the man can just use his spit <laughs> and get out you know and they would have it up to here because whatever you did affected the community mm -hmm. so if you were a rapist you are not just a rapist on your own you are a rapist who was bringing down the wrath of the gods to us our mm -hmm. Crops are going to suffer. Our children are going to be stillborn. Our women are going to have miscarriages. And suddenly there's going to be a band of brigands or marauders who are going to come here, kill all the men and take the women and children captive. So we have to punish you and we have to do it in such a way that anybody else who is thinking about raping will be deterred. So that was the role of the societies, these societies. Because mm -hmm. when they killed you, they killed you and displayed your parts. It's like being drawn and quartered. They will splay your parts as a warning to, or like having your head on a pike, mm -hmm. you know, on a spike. So it's like, like that um and so that was their job they were and so when the british came it was also their job to sort of like try and when they realized what the british are up to because the british are very sly very sly indeed um <laughs> so when they realized that it wasn't all sugar cubes and white towels that there was some insidiousness going on mm. then it was their job also to do the fighting and so dazzling is very much a coalescence of my experiences growing up in nigeria mm. as well as the things that interested me and i think i wouldn't have written this
this book if I wasn't myself on the outside a little bit Mm -hmm. because you have to you have to want to belong in order to study people to see what it is that they want and they Mm -hmm. desire and to try to give it to them and that way you belong you know and so even for trying to escape my bullies for instance I had to try and you know like oh god too much politics for a little child (laughs) but that was what informed Dazzling yes but just on the societies that you were just speaking about what does the leopard specifically represent and uh, what does it mean to be I think it's described in the book as the leopard of your family that's a very good question nobody's asked me that actually so kudos Um, okay so the leopard in the leopard in Igbo society is a venerated animal you know like how you have all around Africa oh the lion is the king of the the lion is not the king of Igbo land the leopard is and the reason for that is the lion has lionesses to do its bidding right they'll hunt for you and they bring you and they groom you and all that stuff a leopard is a solitary animal right they might get together to breed but they are solitary and another thing a leopard is is it's highly adaptable Mm. if there's only crickets the leopard will eat crickets and survive if there's fish leopard will eat fish if there's if in times of scarcity when other animals are dying the leopard is hunting ants to eat it to eat 200 ants to keep itself alive and it's silent and it's solitary and it's deadly when Mm. you see the leopard it's too late (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's too late if you can see it you're dead okay so <laughs> so leopards are venerated in my culture as that they are totemic, they're the highest of the high. And that mm. is why we reserve titles of bravery and like uh, people who have war- who have warrior-like tendencies, we call them Obuago, killer of leopard. Because if you could stalk and kill a leopard, well, up there, do you know how they do you know how hard they are to catch? They camouflage against every single surrounding. You can find them in every habitat, and they're just really stealthy. Mm. And also they don't share game. So if they killed something, they could carry something three, four times its size up a tree and hang it there and feed itself for a very long time. And so there's that respect for leopards. And so people wanted to have those attributes that the leopard had, which included being ferocious, mm. being strong, being solitary, sneaky, whatever, you know. And so for somebody to, the way that leopard um, society is presented, so they're very much a physical thing. Mm. So they believe that they would come together in the society as men and they would do their rituals and then they would take on the powers of the beast and then they'll go and hunt with their claws and you know, they would they had things where you tear people apart and like wolverine you know like that they would mm-hmm. tear people apart now i wanted very much to focus on if this was not a male society say this guy has this leopard spirit but hasn't got let's say it's a legacy is a filial or familial legacy thing right but you have no children to pass it on to because the concept of children in Igbo land is the most important right which is why we don't have anything like bastards like you have bastards here who is a bastard we know your dad we know your dad <laughs> <laughs> children are children are the purpose of marriage you don't marry because you mm, i want to you know like oh let's live together no 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 you marry to have children mm-hmm. and you because because you have children that way your legacy and your lineage is assured and because your lineage is assured you can also reincarnate within your lineage mm-hmm. now i wanted to explore what happened when that was broken because uncle odiogo has no children mm-hmm. and has no wife what would then happen to these powers that he possesses what will happen if they have nobody to pass on to he has to find a way to pass it on which is why at the beginning we see him take on corporeal form because that's the only way to do it the only way and there's a whole obsession that the spirits have with being corporeal so all the spirits even the spirit who comes to see treasure because he doesn't have any offspring either he's trying to repair his lineage and he wants to be corporeal 
He wants to become mended so that he can have a chance to reincarnate and to mm-hmm. come over and over again, as opposed to, okay, this is my life. That's the end because I've had a violent death, which was exactly what Odiogo had as well. He had a violent death and he had no children. So there is a lot of the men trying to have legitimacy and to have mm-hmm. some form of legacy, which is why he then passes it on to her mm-hmm. because for whatever reason, maybe he's on, maybe he's a feminist. <laughs> Like, okay, maybe the girls can do a better job and he passes on to her um, because there's no indication that she is in fact she she keeps wondering in the book why didn't he pass it on to her elder sister who is more for, she's already like a leper you know just pass it on to her and so I wanted to explore what happened when it's not so much a chosen one narrative even though he chooses one of them mm-hmm. but it was a case of okay I choose you now you have to choose back she had to choose back if she said she didn't want it then nothing was going to happen Mm -hmm. so she had to decide to choose back and she had to decide to choose back with all the implications that that carried including having to you know die so i mean so for me that was that was how the leopard society thing came about it was very Mm -hmm. much a a protector but not of the physical we're not fighting the physical now there's no british Mm -hmm. there are no wars i mean they are but like not like we know them this was very much a battle for the souls of Igbo land Mm -hmm. for the souls where the thing that we are fighting is the invisible are the things that don't want to be dead anymore they want to live again and they will live again at your expense if it comes to it so that's why she's there it's also you know in books two and three which may or may not happen i'm not saying that they're happening this is not an exclusive but <laughs> if they were going to be books two and three is something that i would like very much to explore the idea that we have in Igbo culture of we're not the only ones and also it is something that influences the way that we used to look after the earth you're not the only one you can't just be like just you know plastic everywhere now we never used to have that we used to cook in leaves or in wooden bowls or in ceramic like fired clay um, clay bowls and things like that where everything used to be recyclable reusable you can just break a bowl and you know it's going to be trampled into dust the next minute and so i wanted to look at what would happen when somebody was there for the souls and the spirits of people the legacies the inheritances all those things and how that ties into the physical because it does tie into the physical you know we talked about it at the beginning if we don't have any inkling as to who's before you who came before you and what they suffered in order to get you here Mm -hmm. then you're going to always feel as though you're accountable to no one and you don't matter but you do matter you know so it's very much a we all matter and this is the person whose job it is to keep things that want to come for you at bay Mm -hmm. and you know you were just saying about the the sort of relationship between the spiritual and the physical and i feel like throughout the book you obviously explore like how much the supernatural sort of weaves into their everyday reality and I wanted to know how much does the supernatural influence and you've just kind of touched on it but how much does the supernatural influence life and culture in Nigeria um it's everywhere (laughs) it's it's sort of it's just part of life isn't it Mm -hmm. like you eat and then like okay so this is not something that people do anymore but like my father's generation maybe like before you ate something you would like throw a morsel of food or two out there for the ancestors because you can't just eat by yourself what are they supposed to do starve before you drank something you poured out some and you find that in like you know a lot of black cultures around the world so african-americans for instance they'll be like oh let's pour one out for the homies that's where it comes from pouring one out for the homies is you're pouring libation to the people who have died because they have to drink too they're Mm -hmm. very much part of your continuum like you're on a continuum you know there's no like okay this stops and now this starts no 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 it's all the same thing Mm -hmm. and so you have to be aware of the way in which there is you but there are other things that also belong here as well and so that you 
don't rub up against them the wrong way and yeah. invite horrible things to happen to you. But also <laughs> part of that was making sure that you venerated the ancestors. I mean, I'm not saying everybody's ancestors are nice and like we have cases of parents that hate their children. So obviously we'll have cases of ancestors that just hate your guts and want you to just <laughs> suffer, you know, because maybe they suffered and they're looking at you now with your TV and they're going, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope you suffer, you bastard. That's very much a, it's very much a making sure that even when they're not on your side, mm -hmm. that you recognize that they existed because everybody wants recognition. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of recognition is saying, I see you and I see how you contributed to myself and you've contributed now to the fact that I have children who are then going to have, have their own children. Like I recognize you or like, you know, like basically you are valid, even if you haven't accomplished great feats, mm -hmm. you are valid mm -hmm. just because you were born and just because you allowed me to be born, which is why, like I said, children are very important. And that's why we also don't have a concept of useless men in Igbo culture. You can have a drunk. In fact, there was this drunk in my village. Oh my God. The most <laughs> amiable drunk in the world. He was always drinking, falling about, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he had so many sons. And so like his wife was one of those industrious women who would look after the family and he would come back and be like, oh, come on, come on. I don't know how she even, she even used to give him money, but even if she didn't give him, he got money from somewhere because people loved him so much. Mm -hmm. But he had so many children. And so when he died, he was mourned properly because he had so many sons. And it didn't matter that he contributed nothing. He contributed his penis and his sperm. And now there are all these boys who bear <laughs> his name for whatever that's worth, you know, and that's seen as important. So there's yeah. never, as long as you can have children, you're not, an, you're not somebody who is useless. You don't believe in the concept of a useless man. As long as, you know, you can have, you can impregnate someone. Let's not go into the concept of a useless woman because those ones seem to be a dime a dozen. They think that, oh, if you raise your voice, you're useless. If you speak up for yourself, oh, you're useless. If you can't have children, <laughs> oh, look at you, you're so useless. You know, but it, for men, it's only one criteria you just have to not have children but for me it's very much that the supernatural is everywhere mm. and so you have to learn how to act at an early age because they'll say to you you can't just talk to people rudely because you're not sure that who you're talking to is a person mm. it might not be a person could be a spirit and you talk to them anyhow and then they follow you home and they're like okay well i'm going to squat now in your house with all my misfortune because i didn't die well and i'm just looking for one to to give this misfortune so i'm just going to squat with you forever and so the supernatural is very much part of the natural as it were mm. you know mm. and you still have such things in like cornwall devon you know yeah. i wouldn't mess with the good folk there you know if i was going to be walking or traipsing about the countryside in cornwall i am taking someone who is from cornwall with me because <laughs> if we meet something that is not human i need to make sure that i don't end up end up as food for your gods you know <laughs> likewise in ireland you know that whole black forest thing or oh, they're like oh don't go in the black forest thing at night don't worry i'm not going it's fine <laughs> because, <laughs> because and if i was going and night befell me uh, that's why you go with an irish person you're like how irish are you please come with me <laughs> so if night befalls us at least they will recognize that you're one of them and mm, they will yes. just you know get me and be like oh look food for the gods no please i don't want to i didn't come all the way from nigeria to be food for your gods <laughs> so it's just it's very much a part of life and i think that there is that denial here that the supernatural exists there's that you know like oh we want to logic everything away yeah because we have electricity then all the lights go off and your <laughs> primitive brain just instantly starts to 
you know, you have the creeps, you have, mm. you know, everything stands up. If you heard a fox, you would just sprint down. And I know because I've done it, you know. <laughs> and so it's just, I think that they we need to have more room for the unexplained. Mm. And even if it's scientific things that we cannot explain, it's fine. It's all in the same basket as far as I'm mm. concerned. You know, we need to, at some point, we couldn't explain or even treat things without antibiotics, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, when penicillin came, it was like magic. so you know we have to still leave room for wonder we have to still Mm. leave room for the unexplained you have to it doesn't make you any any more uh, lower thinking than somebody who is like professor brian cox you know for instance he's Mm. dealing with his stuff in the way that he understands it Mm -hmm. you know he's dealing with the unknown in the way that his brain can perceive and tolerate the unknown it's the same thing you know the same thing Mm -hmm. but it's also why we have a resurgence in marvel stuff you know people want their supernatural stuff packaged in that way in a way that is more acceptable to them they don't want to hear about the bumps in the night they don't want to hear that you know you're sitting down eating a meal and your ancestor is there going oh for mercy's sake some crumbs of that you know <laughs> can i have some of that yorkshire pudding that maybe you have to put the yorkshire pudding it doesn't matter if the dog eats it the gesture is what is important you know have you watched that film hook with um robin williams yeah yes there's a part there's a part where he's sitting with the lost boys and the lost boys are eating this food and he can't see the food do you remember he yes. can't see it and they're going use your it's it's right there you know and it's the same thing they're right there and it, he has to open his and then he suddenly realizes he's at a banquet you know mm. he's at a banquet there's a lot of food there and i think it's very much the same thing as how we live in this uh, in this era it doesn't do you any good to believe in nothing said dudes if you believe in nothing but like i I feel like there's more magic there is more to life when you understand that there is this there's an unexplained mm. and the unexplainable the unexplained might sometimes become explained but there's also that unexplainable just accept it's fine you know yeah. you're not a lower thinking primate just because you accept that there is there is that possibility that there are things out there that you can't see and that you don't know mm. yeah yeah Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the time and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I could talk to you all day. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, sorry, oh my god. I feel goodness. like I'm thinking all the time as well. We're no, no, no not <laughs> at all. Not at all. But before we do let you go, unwillingly, but we let you go, can you give us any recommendations for favourite authors, favourite pieces of work? I'm not a very good person with the favourite thing, you see. I'm not. I don't even have a favourite <laughs> colour. I can tell you what colours look good on me, which frustrates my children because they go, Mom, what's your favourite? I'm like, I don't have one. But I tell you what book I read recently that I think is going to is going to rock the literary world is Wenny and Lou's um, The Funeral Crier. Oh, oh. It's, so it's so good because we're dealing with... So The Funeral Crier is a woman whose job it is to don funeral attire and to make the rounds at funerals. They hire her to cry for people. It's a whole thing. And now the thing is, despite the service that she provides for people, she's a she's an outcast. And you know how I feel about outcasts, right? You know how I feel about that. <laughs> you know, I'm all for the outcast. So she's an outcast. And so because she's an outcast and not really truly a member of society, they people just come to her and they tell her these secrets all the time because they know who's she gonna tell, you know, who's she who's she going to, she's not gonna tell anyone. And so they unburden themselves at her expense. And it's it's this woman who also in her house, she's not named, her, neither is her husband, neither is her mother, and neither is her daughter. She just called daughter, husband, mother, and, you know, like that. But the places, surprisingly, the places are named because 
I found that juxtaposition to be interesting mm. because you think, you know, the people are more important, but no, the mountains have been there forever. The rivers have been there forever. You know, this plane has been here forever. Therefore, <laughs> they all have names, but she doesn't have a name. And I suppose it's in keeping with her role as the funeral crier, but also she extends that namelessness to her family, you know? Mm, yeah. So her husband is feckless man who doesn't have any, oh my God, doesn't have any work. <laughs> and he calls her stupid. He calls her names. He he like forces her in the night, you know, to have sex with him. He pinches her in bed, all that kind of stuff, you know? And then he has the audacity to have an affair on top of that. This book is so good because I think that I was able to relate to the rural setting in which it was it was placed mm. because it's very much a community where everybody knows everybody's business but also we don't talk to her she's a funeral crier but also <laughs> she knows your secrets because last year she was just burying your mum and she knows you slept <laughs> with your cousin and the reason that you don't like her is not just because she's a funeral crier it's because she has power and when people have power over you you want nothing to do with them if you can mm. ostracize them you will if you can kill them, hence the witch trials, then you will as well. You know, mm, when people yeah. have power and knowledge, it makes you uncomfortable. So I think that's a brilliant <laughs> book, The Funeral Crier, Wenya Lu. Another book I read recently that I really, really liked was, um, I read Mame by Jessica George. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. But like, I don't think I need to tell you anything about that because all you need to do is just type Mame and she's everywhere. She's garnering all the accolades. <laughs> oh my God, America loves her. <laughs> loves her. It's getting made into a film. And I'm there with my little voice going, I loved her first. I loved her first. <laughs> you know, but it's so good. Um, who else have I read recently that I really, really like? Oh, 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 forever. I would love Neka, Leslie Nekarima, because she is a superb, robust, powerful writer. Like she she writes things that makes you that opens up possibilities that you didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. because she has this way of imagining worlds within our world so that she's by the way she's evil so first of all she's from my she's from my <laughs> ethnic group so that this is this is the thing I was trying to talk about like she imagines the possibilities of difference in the setting we already have she's just so good and her collection is called what it means when a man falls from the sky is taking after a short story in that same book and so good <laughs> I'm adding um, all of these to my list yes <laughs> They sound amazing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm I I just oh I read I've read so many good books. We, oh oh for thy great pain, have mercy on my little yes, pain. Yes, we interviewed Victoria McKenzie. She's great. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. book, that book. You know, like obviously, like Julian, Julian, I'm Anglican, right? So Julian of Norwich is like we all know Julian of Norwich. We know about the hazel not and stay, but she made her into mm -hmm. a living, breathing woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Marjorie Kemp as well. She like she. It's such a slender book mm -hmm. yes. for the amount of work and expertise and observation yeah. that mm -hmm. went into it. It is such a good, I read it and then I went to church and I was like, listen, we have to supply <laughs> this book in the church bookshop. Like we have to, we have to, because it's just, it's just so good. It is. It's, 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 oh, and God bless her, man. God bless her because so many people will, because of her, know these two women mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. are important not just you know as as literary figures but as historical figures as well yeah. one of them wrote the first the first book mm -hmm. by a woman it's just it's amazing it's an amazing book oh <laughs> so many good recommendations now. yeah i'm tired now i'm, I'm only giving you four now because if i start i just i just will not stop because 
I have been so, so lucky recently. I mean, I'm a reader anyway, but I've been lucky with people just giving me books, mm -hmm. you know? Now I have to be like, I don't have time, which is a good problem to have. Oh, so, yeah. But the books, the caliber of books that are out this year, especially, mm -hmm. given that all the books have, are out of the four books I've mentioned, three of them are out this year. That should tell you something. This year is just, I'm so honored to be a part of the debuts for this year because this year I pity all the awards judges and all <laughs> sorry for you I would not like to be you because the contenders this year are just amazing 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 you know or is it wayward it's wayward by Amelia Hart yeah, as well yeah. there is um the things we do to our friends by Heather Dow oh <laughs> <laughs> and you are Dow one went. of those one of those good contenders is you so oh thank you, you. Know. thank you so much <laughs> but you I really just are feel, I just feel fortunate I feel like I, I know my my agent and my editor keep saying you're not fortunate you worked really hard but mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, it's also very easy to discount other people who are working very hard as mm -hmm. well, you know, and two, having two jobs, one job, two jobs, you know, and there is a, maybe 1% luck, 2% luck, but at least I was ready with the thing. So mm -hmm. yes, hard work, but I've been lucky, you know, like I said, like anytime I say to people, oh my God, I queried seven agents or eight agents or 12 or whatever, they go, ugh just 12 you know so <laughs> I, I I feel quite blessed and quite fortunate yes amazing and I am gutted that we're having to round up the interview because I saw your tweet about yeah. I wanted to be interviewed about all the Igbo things and I had a question about the uh, Igbo <laughs> language and how you how you weaved um weave that in and yeah I, I absolutely loved it oh yeah I, all I did with that was you mean with the way that treasure talks mm. yeah the way that they talk and I just felt like it made the novel so like vivid and rich yeah it just made it really immersive for me and yeah I love the way you included that and they just they just speak in Igbo and I just transliterated yeah they just speak in Igbo and I just transliterated that because like I I think a lot of the a lot of my emoticness is relatively recent you know I grew up in Nigeria knowing full well that I was going to come back here to where I was born mm -hmm. and a lot of my life was very uh Anglophile extremely mm -hmm. Anglophile and I only became this Igbo when I moved back here mm -hmm. because suddenly having the distance made me appreciate the things that I didn't even know I had been picking up mm. because it's all around you people are just talking you're like oh my god you're so loud shut up you know <laughs> but then <laughs> but then you leave and you realize you know you realize you know how much you've picked up I said something to my children the other day when oh, I haven't heard that in 20 years but it just came out you yeah. know and it came out because it's something that my mom says which her mom says so or used to say so it's 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 the same thing about lineages isn't it like you pass things on even without realizing so I'm very much about like the things that are passed on the ebotic things that we do that are passed on that we don't even realize where the thing has come from <laughs> because we just take for granted that it's there so I'm just happy to be my little Igbo element representing Igbo people and Nigeria and just like yeah come read it's fine you know the water is warm and we don't buy as much <laughs> uh, it was an absolute pleasure being able to uh to learn a little bit about the culture through this book it's just absolutely brilliant it really yeah, is it's a phenomenal book and I feel like oh, we've barely scratched so the much. surface have we like <laughs> there's so you much you could speak I'm about if you kind of I feel like I, talk, I feel like you have more questions like oh I want to ask more questions I'm so sorry because you have a lot to edit I tend to I mean I don't ramble I don't think I ramble but I will no. give you a lot of information and so it will it will make editing really really difficult for you no sorry, this so is yeah. this is joyous <laughs> We, we much prefer having too much to say than too little. Like this is, yeah. No. Oh, great. 
Oh, good. I'm the perfect guest then. You really <laughs> are. <laughs> you are. There is nothing worse. I was, nothing. I, was, I was going, oh my God, I'm talking so much. Chick on you. No, 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 we love it. We love it. There is nothing worse than getting blood from a stone. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'll do that for the next one. When I'm, I'm trying to sell my mystique more for the next book, mystique. you will ask me a question and I'll go, yes. No, don't. No. Please don't. <laughs> so, don't make me cry. Have we, have we just agreed that you're coming back? Because we, we want have. you back. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take that as I an agreement. I was told not to do that. I was told not to do that. But yes, I've agreed to that, haven't I? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You said if it. If I'm alive, I'll come. If I'm not alive, then you have to interview my ghost. Don't be afraid. You know? Don't be afraid. It's okay. Just we'll pull some muscles of food we'll some wine. We'll drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. This has honestly been amazing and I really didn't want to let you go. But thank you so much for giving up your time. So yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for giving up your time today on a weekend as well. And listeners, please do go and buy Dazzling because it's a phenomenal book, as we've already said. And like we said, we've barely scratched the surface. Uh, There's so much rich Nigerian culture in there. There's so much of the supernatural. There's beautiful exploration of poverty and class. And it is just the most magical book so please do go buy it I will be popping a link in the show notes and Chickadilly is there anywhere that our listeners can follow you on social media uh, I'm on Twitter with uh, my name and my well Chema Lomado just type Chickadilly you'll find me it's fine I'm also on Instagram with my full name Chickadilly Emma Lomado honestly you are one of the funniest people I follow on Twitter so I would definitely oh, recommend thank you. our thank listeners you. follow yeah. you on there um, tell, but my yes. mom, tell my mom <laughs> I don't think I'm funny <laughs> you are you're so funny you had us laughing you, you had me in tears before we'd even started recording I was laughing that much but yes we have to let you go now uh, Dazzling is out now published by Wildfire it's an amazing book as we've said go buy it and if you did enjoy this episode please don't forget to rate review and subscribe as it helps us to reach more listeners and if you want to follow us you can do so at a pair of bookends pod on Instagram and at a pair of bookends on Twitter and TikTok Um, and apart from that we have to say goodbye so thank you so much for joining us today we've loved talking to you (laughs) goodbye also don't forget I mean I don't want I mean people can buy yes but also please use your local libraries otherwise the Tories will shut them down yes yes you know what never a true word was spoken yeah yeah use your local libraries I'm a big library fan I have all the cars from all the different countries in which I have libraries please use your local libraries please 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 I would rather walk into a library and see a dog-eared tattered version of of dazzling than a pristine one any day please yes we agree (laughs) Thank you.